This, this is Inside Purple and Gold. We've talked about like the revolving door that was Mike Zimmer's offensive coordinators, right? Even if Flores is spectacular this year and gets hired next offseason, <clears throat> that's not the same thing as like a revolving door that it was under Zimmer, right? It wasn't like Zimmer's offenses and offensive coordinators were amazing and you know the foundation was set. It was in place for whoever the next guy was going to come in and that they were going to succeed. Zimmer's offensive coordinators left because either they stunk or they did not get along with the head coach. Mm-hmm. So if, if, if Kevin O'Connell hires Brian Flores, Brian Flores flourishes in this role and he leaves next season and you're, and you're looking for a new defensive coordinator, that is not the same thing as, as how Mike Zimmer was constantly looking for an offensive coordinator, right? Yeah, and it's a little bit of the McVay thing, right? You know, Connell yeah. talks about how he's like McVay saw him as a potential head coach and was fine kind of helping him out and moving him on his way, right? I mean, this is kind of part of that method. And I think that's right. It's like Zimmer's biggest name guy and the guy who seemed most secure was was Norv Turner. It seemed like Norv Turner was too old really to take a head coaching job at that point. That, you know, like he Zimmer trusted him, it seemed like for a little bit, and then went to Hugh Jackson and asked about what Norv Turner was doing. So he didn't trust him very long. But um and I think the other guy was John D. Filippo and people knew him because he was the Philadelphia guy, right? Who they had stolen and brought over. Um yeah. but I think what O'Connell has done is although these guys are about in the same age range and probably think about football in some ways pretty similarly he has brought in different personalities, right? Like O'Connell, you talk about outgoing. Like I think of him, he's from San Diego. He's very like California, laid back, you know, right. happy, happy guy. Again, the Vikings were disciplined. It's not as though like they took penalties or there wasn't a lot of like, hey, this dude didn't show up for practice or whatever. Right. Um, but like he is, he's an outgoing kind of like, he seems like a fun dude, uh, laid back. And then you have Wes Phillips, very wry, right? He's, he's football genius come, you know, dad and, and grandpa were, were coaches but kind of this wry, kind of little bit quieter guy, right? And then you think of Matt Daniels, charisma, like, for, for ages, right? You know, like this – you're like the special teams coach of all people. You know what I mean? That's this, but he, he has a nickname for all the players, and he gets these guys to buy in on kind of him more than anything else and, you know, whatever. Um, so I think this is an interesting mix, and I think good head coaches probably have different um, – personalities right and 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 i think the hard thing is zimmer always was going to be dominating because of who he was he was so intense and he's you know obviously so football obsessed and um it just think of his personality obviously compared to o'connell's and it just you could see it kind of overwhelmed like i think a clint kubiak who again put in a really weird situation is his dad had retired his dad was a pretty big name had a lot of success in the nfl his first job he's working for zimmer and he's scared that like if he suggests that they're getting Justin Jefferson more involved in the offense. <laughs> He's going to get scolded behind the scenes or whatever. So um, I do think if, you know, we talk about O'Connell has to be um, prepared to kind of see what he doesn't know. Right. And we're talking about the defense in this case. He also needs to give Flores autonomy because Flores has run a team before and he has the credentials. Right. And I, I'm curious how that dynamic will work, because, again, I think it's smart to bring in a Belichick guy. But Flores is going to come in and go, I know what I'm doing. You know what I mean? Right. And you have to let me do my thing. And I, I think that's something to watch all year long because Flores seems like one of the few Belichick tree guys who actually kind of succeeded right away from it. And it may be because he just like he didn't just have one role there. It felt like McDaniels had a specific role and some of these other guys who, who've left and haven't had success were really good at one thing. Flores actually co- coached offense for a little bit, coached special teams for a little bit, right. um, was a was an assistant, which would imply that he kind of was looking at both sides of the ball at one point. 
this is a it's a it's a very smart move because it's the right guy. It's risky in the sense that O'Connell has to be okay being a little hands off, I'm sure, and right and be like, do your thing. And to be fair, I think with Donatel, he wanted to be hands off, and then by the Detroit game, he's like, dude, you have to blitz at some point. We can't. We, you, this is unsustainable to to run a defense this way. So maybe he's seeking this out. Maybe he wants someone who just lets does his thing and he, you know, kind of focuses on play calling and developing the offense. For sure. Yeah, we talk like a lot about, about the players and the personnel. We, like we've mentioned, you know, the players that, that have gotten old or the players that are in place um, that, that maybe Brian Flores can get the most out of. Um, I mentioned Harrison Smith. Me and Tom talked about that, obviously. I feel like a popular name that started to really circulate, and he, he this was he pre, this predates Brian Flores. Um, this guy was a, a, a an exciting player towards the end of last year just with the way he played the game. But if anyone who's on Vikings Twitter, like at any point, and, and there's different levels of Vikings Twitter, I'll just say. Well, this name popped up as soon as Flores was hired. Um, and I am inclined to believe that Brian Flores will be able to get the most out of this player. Brian Asamoah is a, is a guy mm-hmm. that really excites me with, with, um, you know, with Flores coming in. And, and look, I'm not going to sit here on this podcast and pretend like I know all the intricacies of this scheme. I mean, I've already said that. Um, but I do know in the most simplistic way of, of saying things, Brian Osamola might be the fastest linebacker I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And just thinking about a guy like that who plays not only with the speed, but just kind of with the reckless abandon that you – like Brian Osamola last year – like if he was going to do a play right, it was going to be at hundred miles per hour wrong. If he was going to make a mistake. It was going to be out of, out of you know, out of a hundred miles per hour. So like, I think of that guy as someone, and, and you look at Brian Flores, the way he, he disguises different things and sends different blitzes. Like he seems like a, the, the ultimate chess piece, like where you can have this guy who plays linebacker, um, but you can send him on, an, on a, on a blitz through the a gap or, or you can drop him in coverage and have him run with the guy. Like, he is someone who I think you're going to see a lot of, um, you know, like usage out of with, with Brian Flores kind of taking mm-hmm. over. And and he's kind of a microcosm of, of, of the whole team at, at that point. Like maybe Eric Hendricks is, is old and can't run sideline to sideline anymore. Like he could early in his career, but maybe there, there there's ways that, that Brian Flores can use him where it, it's not so predictable that, that mm-hmm. you can just pick, pick on Aaron, you know, Eric Hendricks, which it's clear Dable and, and Kafka and, and in the playoff game, they were picking on Eric Kendricks. They knew where Eric Kendricks was going to be and they threw into space and they said, tackle Saquon Barkley. You can't. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I, Brian Flores coming in, like Brian Osimo is the guy who excites me the most, I think, but like it also kind of paves the way to like, how are, how is he going to use all of these guys? Because I, I think not only is the defense going to look a lot different next year, like the players on the defense are going to be used you know, in different situations and in different ways than they were um, this offseason. Yeah, because we we talked about Harrison Smith. I got to imagine he has a better plan for him, right? And, like, Smith will never say anything about it, but, like, you got to imagine he was upset that he was just always in the backfield, right? Um, It may be also a a nice voice for Cam Bynum, who I hold out hope for, and it just, again, this is a converted corner who, like, now is, like, on his third guy teaching him stuff, but, like – you talked about Kendricks, like good coaches know how to use smart players, even though, again, we've seen some sort of physical decline as expected. Um, 
with him. The other thing is like, he probably won't play Daniel Hunter out of water. Right. There, there's just Daniel Hunter in my mind. Like it, you feel like you should be versatile because he's like the most in shape person you've ever seen. Right. And he looks kind of lean in that he could catch up with like a tight end or he may just be a guy that needs to get after the quarterback. And it's like he Flores may just put him in a situation where like, you know what I mean? Like your job is to get the quarterback. Don't worry about anyone behind you. Right. And like, I think part of his success is exactly that. Just like, what is the capability of young players? So you think of seeing and booth who were hurt and that's going to mess with their development. Uh, what can I get out of veterans like Smith? And if Kendricks is around um, and then um, he's also probably broadly going to be like, how am I going to, if I don't have the cornerbacks, I don't have Xavier Rhodes in his prime. You know what yeah. I mean? What do I, and he may just go, my thing is it's a little like Washington's strategy last year where they were like, we're just going to get after the quarterback, right? He's just not going to have enough time. And our guys should be able to um, avoid creating separation, right? Stick with the receivers for like two seconds, right? Um, so I'm just, I'm curious what he does. I'm I'm pretty confident for us. I'm less confident that like they'll have all the horses with in terms of the talent on the defense. Um, and I still think we have to point out, I mean, I, you know, the offense has to be better. You know what I mean? Like it, it just mm-hmm. does. And yeah. so um, there's still, there's still variables, but at least they took one away um, by, by bringing in fours. And, and again, as much as like people may be upset if he has a lot of success and leaves again, if he's part of the Vikings organization and he's bought in on what they're doing, he's going to be less inclined to take kind of a risky head, head coach job. Right. I mean, there's, he could probably sit in this spot until he gets the right, um availability and that availability just doesn't come around because there's so few good head coaching positions available so i don't know i was excited about the hire i think it's a good point i think he's just going to know how to use the personnel better yeah and and i think this whole podcast especially this episode takes on a different tenor than if we were talking about mike Petton or if, yeah, yeah, yeah you know like that's no disrespect to mike Petton, but like that's just the nature of it when he was a part of the you know in the room that Ed Donatello's defense finished number 31st in the league last year. Mm-hmm. And whether Mike Pettin had had a big role in that, or if he was just kind of in a more advisory role, he's going to be connected to that just because he was in the building. So, you know, like the fact that they brought Brian Flores in, I think gives people a lot of optimism, um, you know, moving into this off season, um, but you know, there's going to be a ton of changes on the, on the defense. That's no, that's no secret. Um, we've talked about all these players that maybe Brian Flores can, can maximize. There's going to be changes. Some of these players might not be around. So I think the fact that like you got your coach in place, you got the guy that that's exciting, the guy that you can kind of sell as, as hope for, you know, this, this is the defense is going to be better next year. And and then you can go ahead and make the changes that as you see fit, you know, if you're the front office, Um, the off season is starting off on, on, on on a good note, I think. It could have been if it was the opposite of if Flores takes the Arizona job and, and Petten's your only candidate and either you hire him or you're, you're scrambling to find another candidate, um, you know, and, and, and that's the kind of the rocky note you start on, you know, and then you start getting rid of players. Like I, th- I think the off season probably takes on a completely different tenor. Um, they have Brian Flores in place. A lot of things are going to happen after this, um, but we're going to be along for every step of the way, you know, every, every step of the way. And, um, when we come back on Friday, I think me and Tom are going to talk a little Super Bowl, but wanted to hop on here for sure and talk about Brian Flores. Um, obviously, the biggest thing to happen this offseason so far. A lot more to come. Um, but until next time, from Tom Schreier, I'm Dane Mizutani, signing off.